Welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, along with Lauren and special guest Candace. Thank you both for joining us, as, and for thank you to our listeners for joining us as we all seek the face of Christ, and there's so many different ways and paths to seek the face of Christ, even within the Catholic Church, different spiritualities, different uh, religious communities you can associate yourself with. And uh, we invited Candace to come back on for a second episode because she's been very involved in one of the best and kind of newest um, lay movements in the Church, Opus Dei. I was very involved in the lay movement as well growing up, uh, Regnum Christi, and Lauren is just here for the ride. As usual. <laughs> <laughs> Not as usual. <laughs> no, I see, young adult community. <laughs> I see I see. Lauren with a book by St. Jose Maria Escrivá. Oh, this is Carmelina's. Uh, that you stole? Our other roommate. No, she lent it to me to read. I have not read it yet. Folks. But it's by Jose Maria Escrivá, who founded Opus Dei, so... You yes. can open to a random page and quote him, and we'd think you'd do something. Well, I can read some of the contents. The richness of ordinary life, freedom, a gift from God, time is a treasure, working for God, human virtues, humility, detachment, in the footsteps of Christ, getting to know God, open to God and men. That first one. And it goes on. That first one you said, though, was, I think, a critical piece to understanding what Opus Dei is. Agreed. Ordinary life, because Opus Dei really focuses on transforming that ordinary life, not doing something extraordinary, but the Opus Dei means the work of God. So tell us a little bit, first of all, Candace, about how you got involved in Opus Dei and what your experience was with them. Yeah, so that has anything, something to do with my conversion story, because back in the days in 2017, I was studying in Boston, and I met a uh, very good group of friends who are um, affiliated with Opus Dei, and they kind of introduced me to the spirituality of Opus Dei and also the Catholic faith. So that's how I heard about Opus Dei. Beautiful. That is the first time I heard about it. Are you officially a member? So right now, no. Uh, I'm a cooperator of Opus Dei, which is not an official member, but I pray for the work. Uh, we call Opus Dei the work because it's Opus Dei means the work of God. So for members and for people who are affiliated with Opus Dei, we usually call Opus Dei the work. So I pray for the work every day. Uh, I have um, financial donations to the organization, and I also go to the center, like the Opus Dei location, we call it the center, like the community, to receive formation once in a while. Okay, so that sounds like you're pretty involved, even without necessarily getting having a title. Yeah, yes. And, you know, for cooperator mem- cooperators, sometimes we volunteer and donate our time as well. So in the past few years, I've been uh, volunteering in a high school leadership program. Oh, nice. Is it um, the Avenue? Yes. Yes, the Avenue, which is down in the city, right? In yes, New York city. it is in Midtown Manhattan. So tell us about the Avenue, because I know a lot of kids from Cardinal Kong Academy, where I teach, go down to the Avenue, and you probably know a few of them. Yes, I knew a few of them, and I, I met their parents, too. So, yeah, the Avenue program is it's a leadership program, so every uh, every month they will have a, like a theme for the section. So sometimes it will be, like, how do you, you know, um, understand the personalities that God gave you, and uh, sometimes we will have talk about a like, career, and sometimes we will talk about uh, time management, how to make use of the time that God gave you, and how to have an overarching goal um, for to orient, to orient your life, and things like that. So we will talk about the faith as well, but um, for the Avenue program, we don't, we, we don't really put a lot of like theology content in it, but um, we try to talk about how to live our faith in our lives. I think that's what Opus Dei does so well. You know, yes. so there's really no division between time management and leadership and personality and mm-hmm. the faith. It's, yes. just, it's all influenced by the faith and you see it through the faith. Yeah. 
we also talk about like friendship and like family values and things like that. So I guess just like for every aspect in your life, everything is integrated. And it's like, you know, we don't live a double life. We don't live a just a professional life outside of our family and a family life in our family. We live one life. It's, it's a life that God gives us. And you transmit your faith in everything that you do. Exactly. So are there any like commitments that an Opus Day member makes? I mean, do you have to pray certain prayers every day or So they do. For members they do. They live a um a life called um they, they live two hours of prayer life every day. So it's called a plan of life. Whoa. Yes. That's so, robust. How do you do that as a married person? Uh they try. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they try, they struggle. I think I think everybody struggles, but I think Single Saint Maria also in one of the homilies has said that just keep struggling. You know, and your plan of life should fit your hand like a glove. So it's a, you know, what time you, you go to mass, what time you do your rosary, it really depends on you. It depends on your schedule. There is no one size fit all. So for the plan of life to within the two hours, it includes a 30 minute um, daily mass. And before, after mass, there is also a 15 minutes Thanksgiving and uh, 15 minutes meditation every day. So it's a contemplative prayer. And um, there's also rosary. And you can pray your rosary anytime. You, know, you can pray your rosary when you're driving to work or when you're, you know, for parents, they're probably like in the car, like waiting for the kids. So, you know, <laughs> for parents, they, they can do that in the car. And yeah, so, and there's also um, morning, morning prayer, um, night prayer, small aspirations every day. Hmm. So, yeah, that's how make up two hours. And do you do any of those yourself? Yes, I do. I try. You no, know, sometimes I fail. You struggle. But, but I try. But I struggle. Yes. <laughs> I try. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And do you also receive mentorship or formation or have you in the past? And what is that like? Yeah, so I do receive formation. Our formation is um, it's called circles. So for circle, which means like for every year, there is a a list of topics that we would talk about, they, they just keep coming back every year. So that's why we call it circle, because they're always circulating. And um, the topics really um, varies from time to time. Sometimes, again, we would talk about like virtues, like cardinal virtues. Um, why do we have, have to receive like, spiritual formation? Why do we have to do like contemplative prayer? Why, do, why does the mass matter? Um, uh, why, do, why does our, like, like friendship and like virtue, like different virtues like charity or you know the gifts of the Holy Spirit and things like that, just like different topics from from the Bible and um, from the spirituality of Saint Jose Maria. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, Lauren, I know you're not really just along for the ride because you too have had um, certainly a, a great deal of formation through one specific religious charism, right? What is that that order that you keep going on retreat with them all the time? And your spiritual director is a member. The Daughters of Merciful Love. Daughters of Merciful Love. So, and they do have a lay apostolate. Do they? That was yes. what I was going to ask. Yeah. Um, from what I understand, people join the community as lay apostolates to participate in their spirituality and then also receive the graces through the charism of the community. And what is the charism of that community? It is to transmit the merciful love of God. Beautiful. And mm. their apostolate is to do it through spiritual direction mm. and um, exercises. So the exercises happen every month. Um, many people do spiritual direction with them. That's up to you. It's offered after you go through exercises. But the whole purpose is to transmit God's love to us. Um, and I've experienced their community now three times, twice in Spain, once in the U.S. And, you know, the graces are so apparent. And the love when the community is together. I uh, went to Spain again in June and... Um, 
it was uh, June 24th, which was Father Andy's birthday, and the community was getting together for a big mass. Um, this is the feast day of John the Baptist. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the next day, or and the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and then the next day, um, one of the brothers was making vows. So the whole community came together, and we were staying in Madrid, and their retreat center is in Ocaña. And they were definitely pushing us, like, you should really come back to Ocaña to attend Mass with us. And, I mean, it's like, of course, I, I will do that. And it was Father Andy's birthday. Um, but the day before, we were actually in Segovia, and um, I bought him a little um, uh, scapular, because he, like, ran out. And uh, he was like, give it to me tomorrow, you know? Like, to make sure that we would come, which, again, I wanted to come, but sometimes things don't always work out. What ended up happening is we had to go through the Madrid train station which was huge and none of us had ever been there before and of course we're running late because there was traffic and the place just kept going and going and going so I went to so many people like Ayudame Ayudame you know like help me help me help me where are we where do we go and it's like go that way go that way get to the next person we are running through this place we make the train we get it we go to Alcania all to have mass with the community and it was just so special it was so moving really like Oh, it just brings you to tears to see so many people who are so devout and coming together. And after the Mass, they did adoration, which wasn't planned. But again, it it was just a special experience because I've done exercises where they're doing adoration for me and the other people on retreat. But to witness them experience it is different, you know, like to see people who are just so devout and like praising God and like down on the floor and... The whole thing was beautiful. And then one of the sisters renewed her vows, which my spiritual director, who was sitting right next to me, she didn't know that was happening either. So anyway, it just went on and on and on. It was like two hours, but it felt like no time had passed at all. Mm. Um, So I don't know if I'm really expressing it well, but you could just feel the grace in the room. It's just so apparent. It's unlike any mass here in the United States. So So have you ever thought about joining their lay branch because i'm sure you can it's not like you know you have to up and move to spain you can no yeah it just means living it out i think it's possible that that would come up um i'm aware of it even on my first retreat i stayed with someone who was a lay member and so that means for them it's an hour a day of contemplative prayer i mean and as you guys know every time i talk to my spiritual director who messaged me today hey can you talk tomorrow what you gonna ask me how's your prayer time (laughs) (laughs) and you have to tell her it's it's a struggle it's a struggle it's It's still not happening i'm trying (laughs) yeah um so i mean yeah two years ago i I just probably would have been like why why do that why bother right like i'm a catholic and I'm living out the faith. But when Father Andy expressed to me receiving the graces that the community receives, that to me was like, wow, like the grace is real. Like God is working through them, right? He's an active participant in our lives. And the more that we give him, the more he gives us, you know, and I think that can be forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. I think one, a great quote I once heard is that um, the difference between the saint, the lives of the saints and the Gospels is the difference between music sung and music written. Like, you know, if you have a, a text of music, a beautiful piece of music, it can be sung in a, a wide variety of different styles or, um, you know, people just put their own spin on it and same piece of music. And so in the same way, you have all these different spiritualities in the church. They all have the Gospel as their root. 
but you see, you know, you know, this beautiful spirituality of the merciful love, you know, sharing that. We see the spirituality of Opus Dei, which is sanctifying your everyday life. And you know, for me, it was Regnum Christi, which is bringing about the, the kingdom of Christ through the formation of leaders and, and all these different spiritualities. I mean, there's, there's lay Franciscans, lay Dominicans, there's lay Carmelites. I mean, you name so how it. How does one choose? Or is it just God leads you, I guess? Right? I guess God leads you in a very special way. Because you know, like I before I knew Opus, like I I met Opus Dei, right? Of course, but like I've never met lay Franciscans or lay Carmelites. So it's like in that case, it's how am I going to understand what the charism are? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So it's like you know, God puts you in a very special position, and to and He also puts different people in your life, and I think that's how grace works. It's like grace can come from other people and come from your daily lives, every circumstance that you're in. Yeah, that's certainly true. And I mean, sometimes you you do feel drawn to one or the other. I mean, most people don't like actively go out and search for it. I think a lot of times it is a friend perhaps invites you, or you know, you read a book about the saint and you start researching more about the saint and find out you can follow it in their footsteps. Yeah, and I think that also has something to do with your personalities as well. It's like you know, Lauren really loves adoration. Like she she just loves it, and. You know, the community does a lot of adorations, and I think that's how she was drawn. That's one of the reasons why she was drawn to it. Hmm. And I think for me, it's about living my ordinary life in, in extraordinary grace. And that has been really helpful for me in understanding my occupation and to just offer every moment of my work to, to a special purpose. You know, and I like doing that. And I feel like that has helped me to work better as a scientist and also just like, to understand other people values and dignity in, in, in a different way. That's beautiful. So let's talk about the founder of Opus Dei, because honestly, Opus Dei, um, and actually Regnum Christi too, which I was a part of, um, both have a fair share of controversy around them. And yes. I know Dan Brown likes to use Opus Dei as this nefarious organization in his novels, like the Da Vinci Code. And Yeah, that was my impression of Opus Dei. Which is not true. Opus Dei <laughs> no, doesn't have no. monks. <laughs> they don't have monks, and they're not weird. I mean, they're... <laughs> It's not like this rich, secretive organization. They're very upfront about who they are and what they yeah. do. So tell us about St. Jose Maria Escrivá. So St. Jose Maria Escrivá is a Spanish priest, and he's also a lawyer. And he founded Opus Dei because um, when he was, uh, I think he w- when he was a seminarian, he was on a retreat. And then he heard um, the bell of the church ring, and he knows that like God has some purposes for his life. And he knew that he has to found Opus Dei to help other people come closer to God through their ordinary work and their ordinary lives. Such as for mothers, they they find a grace in like taking care of the kids, taking care of their household. And for scientists, like we find the grace in our experiments and um, collaborating with our coworkers in the lab. And and for other people, of course, like, they also found the great found different graces in their workplace and in the people that they encounter. Yeah. So I think yeah. That back in the days, that was a little, um, just like what you said, it was a little controversial. And I think the Pope also at that time also said that, hey, Saint Jose, like Jose Maria, Father, a priest, you were a hundred years earlier than than the Church. Because <laughs> back in the days, it's like nobody really thought about that. Like no, everybody thinks that if you want to be a saint, you have to become a nun or a monk. Right, or a right. And he really focused on the lay holiness. Exactly. And nobody really talked about like lay holiness or universal call to holiness. Yeah. So I think St. Jose Maria was kind of like, you know, a revolutionary at that time. He was ahead of his time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
He's also one of the most quotable saints. He has uh, these incredible books, Furrow, The Forge, and The Way. The Way. And those three, that trilogy, is just a, an incredible richness of just single lines, mm-hmm. quotes. That I have are, one. Mind-blowing. That I just came across, and it, it's helpful to me. We have to be contemplative souls in the middle of the world who strive to turn our work into prayer. And, you know, as I was saying, I, I don't do my prayer time, but it's contemplative prayer. And um, I've also been wanting to learn more about the Carmelite order through doing my exercises and understanding this contemplative life. And it's just as a reinforcement, like, yep, I'm an ordinary person. I go to work every day. I, I do ordinary things. I mean, I'm, I do youth group and such, and I'm involved in the community. I exercise, but it's all just ordinary. And we can be distracted, I think, by what we do or prioritize our work in our activities. But he's just showing that, you know, our prayer life is lived out in everything that we do. And I can become a contemplative person in prayer and still do all that I do. And it'll probably make me better at all of it. Yeah. Right. And treat people be better and be more patient, which are all things that I'm striving to do. The one story I love from St. Jose Maria Escrivá was actually kind of the, the crux of his own vocation. When he was a young man, I think he was studying for some other path, a lawyer or something, some some very secular path. And and one day, he was probably like 18 or 19 years old, and uh, he was walking through his town on a very snowy day, um, and he happens to notice footsteps of a barefooted person in the snow. And he looks up and he sees just the back of this monk walking barefoot through the town, and, and the monk goes around the corner, and he never actually meets the monk. But he was so taken aback by the fact that this man loved Christ so much that he was willing to walk barefoot in the snow for him. And he realized there are people out there who are willing to give up everything for Christ. What am I willing to do for Christ? And that was a real turning point moment for him. Just to see somebody faithful to his vocation made him realize that I've got to find my vocation and be faithful to it. And that was probably really what what spurred the, the work of Opus Dei in that trying to help lay people be faithful to their vocation. Yeah. I think that was a beautiful story, and that, that was a beautiful testimony of Saint Jose Maria as well, because you know he he's a founder of Opus Dei. He always encourages his daughters and sons to um, str- to do their best in their daily lives, no matter what you are doing. You know, um, Opus Dei members have different um, occupations. Some of them were like house household makers, like moms, and some of them were like just moms staying home, and some of them were like teachers teaching in the school. And some of them were, like, you know, scientists. Some of them work in the government. So it's like, no matter where you are in, you are still a part of the world, and you are still trying to sanctifying your your life for other people, and also sanctifying your work as well. So I think that has been really helpful to a lot of us to try to understand the meaning of our work when we are like really, you know, we are really pessimistic about our path, and it also encourages us to never lose hope because no matter what we are doing, we are still glorifying God, and we are turning it to, to, to prayers. So I know Opus Dei has celibate members. They're called numeraries, I think? Yeah, they're called numeraries and associates. And have you ever thought about becoming one? Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still thinking about becoming one, or is that you uh, discern no. that's, not, that's not God's call for you? Yeah, that's not God's call for me. So I've discerned it since I converted until 20, late 2020. Okay. So, yeah, it wasn't a long time ago, but... Um, Celibacy just not for me. <laughs> <laughs> You're called marriage. Yes. Beautiful gift as well. But yes. you do know people who are consecrated, 
correct? So for people who are celibate members of Opus Dei, they don't call themselves consecrated members because they're not consecrated. So, so for, do they take vows or no? They don't take vows. They sign a contract. Okay. So it's a lot easier to get out of then, in a sense. In a sense, yes. In that you don't have to go to the Vatican and Yeah, they don't. So, but when they, we call them like whistle because it's kind of like, yeah. Anyway, when they try to um, ask to be a member of Apostate, we call them whistle. So they have to sign a contract and to write a letter to the prelate of Apostate. Mm. So that's how they um, be incorporated to be a member. Oh, and wow. they also have to make commitments to, let's say, go to the center for classes every week, um, do the like prayers every day, two hours. And once in a month, we also have something called like recollection. And so recollection is just like a small retreat, like a daily retreat. So you go to the center for like three or two or three hours to do a rosary, to have meditation and to have spiritual direction, to have a talk and things like that. So for members that have to make commitment to do that and also other kinds of like obligations, you know, such as financial donations. And if you are numerous, you have to live in the center of study mm. to have like intensive set, study of like philosophy, theology, and Latin. Oh, wow. Okay. that's So, yeah, it's it's a lot. That is a lot, yeah. But, you know, some people are called to do that. They are. They are. And but, so by a lot of grace in that. signing a contract, though, are they also making a vow? No. Because what, what I have heard about the lay apostolate is that people can take vows, but they're private vows in the sense that the church doesn't recognize them. Yeah. A vow yeah. is a very technical term in the church mm-hmm. in that... If you if you make an actual religious vow, it can only be dispensed from by, uh, depending, uh, really by the Vatican. Even priests, a lot of people don't realize this, but but diocesan priests like myself do not s- technically make vows. We technically make promises, mm. and the difference is a diocesan bishop can give you permission to to dispense from them rather than Vatican. Okay, so then I guess rephrase it to. So, but. Would they make promises? Yeah. Yeah. So once promises. A, yeah, once a year they would make their promise, private promise, in front of the tabernacle on a. I want to say it's a feast day of Saint uh, Saint Joseph, and then after they made a promise, they would tell the spiritual not the spiritual director, but like the director of the Opus Dei Center that they have already made a vows. Yeah. That's I, it. <laughs> I made a I made a private vow personally, um, actually never to drink alcohol, and uh, so my my spiritual director they stuck gave, to it. Yes, yeah. So far. So do you really not drink alcohol? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's correct. He drinks non-alcoholic no, beer. Okay. Because yeah. he loves beer. Oh, well, yeah. Which I think like is... Enjoy it. I'm just so impressed by you all the time. But, but. <laughs> No, but I, I mean, I had to ask permission from my spiritual director, and he was very clear. He said, you know, you can absolutely do this, but please understand, it's not it's not binding under pain of sin. That means if you do, so ha- if I do have, have, a real beer, beer, have a real beer, it's not a sin. It's not a sin, yeah. Okay. And there was, there was actually one time I did break it with permission of my spiritual director because a friend of mine made some mead, which is that honey wine, wine made out of honey. And so he was like, you got to come over, you got to tr- try it. I'm like, ah, so you had a, not like really a, that excited. What, but I went to, my sp- went to my spiritual director and I was like, can, can I have permission to break this vow for this one occasion? And he said, yeah, absolutely. It's not, you know, it's not a sin to do it. So I did and I had one cup and it was disgusting. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, back on my vow. <laughs> forget, <laughs> forget that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, a lot of people don't know. My my dad actually almost considered becoming a celibate numerary for Opus Day. Really? I'm really glad he chose not to. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, when he was in college, he fell in with Opus Day, which was a wonderful group of people to fall into. <laughs> Where did he go to college? University of Maryland, College Park, so just outside of D.C. And I guess he was connected 
And you'd, you'd ask whether there's the D.C. house or this one in Virginia? Yeah, there's one in Virginia. There's one in Reston, Virginia. It's Northern Virginia. I assume it's the D.C. Closer. one that okay. he fell in. I, I'm not entirely sure, yeah. but they were so, trying to pressure him to be a numerary. Oh, pressure him. A little, a little bit. Okay. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I don't really know what is happening on the man side of uh, Upper State because within Upper State's... Um, Within opposite state, the men's formation are different from women's formation. Mm. Like, we never interact with each other. Really? Yeah. I think that's also, um, it's, it's from the founder. Like, somebody said that women and men are made differently, and they need different things. Yes. So, like, we should not just, like, have a one-size-fits-all approach to to do their formation. So that's why when we go, when we, when we go to events or activities in the center, women and men are always separated, unless it's like a family, you know, charitable events or you know yeah, fundraising yeah. events and that's an exception but if we are don't, only talking about recollection retreats or like formation women and men are always separated that is very true and i've and that's actually why as a priest generally i will i will um decline a woman's request to do spiritual direction for her because i think women should do spiritual direction for other women because i think i do personally think women and men approach god very differently and you have a female spiritual director, and it works out. I great. do. Yeah, it's excellent. You, know, you don't need a priest. highly recommend. Yeah, you don't need a, you don't need a priest to <laughs> be a spiritual director. Yeah, I recommend my own. Yeah, <laughs> and I've I've recommended lay people to be spiritual directors because it's just it's just a, a someone oh. to accompany you on the journey. You know, so it's not I sac- could become a spiritual director. You, you could. can. You could. My spiritual Look director is a lay is it's a lay celibate member of Apostle. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. So, Lauren, you can become a spiritual director of someone else. Yeah, it's just being in a kind of an older spiritual friend. To yes. Help along the journey. I feel like there are several people I do that with. <laughs> you from time to time, but in no formal <laughs> way. No, but sometimes the informal ones are yeah. deeper and more important. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, um, yeah, so there's, <laughs> you had brought up here a, a question. So, Lauren wrote the questions for this one. Um, I did. Which were awesome. Well, I have one. This is a dumb question. There's, I mean, no, I already, there's no dumb I already questions, wrote it, only but, dumb people. You know, is it a requirement, or I guess, help people to understand why they should seek out a community or why they should consider becoming a lay apostolate that was member? Gonna be, that was going to be my question, is, is do you need to do this as a Christian? Can you just be a Christian and not have a specific flavor to your spirituality? I think you can. You know, as Catholic, as long as you, are unite, as long as you unite yourself to the church, I think you don't have to belong to a community but if you think that by becoming a member of a community can help you live a better life as a catholic then for sure go for it yeah i think you're such a great example of that candace because your life has completely changed right you were anglican (laughs) um having a faith life but you were brought into opus day you lived that out you've been formed through that community you gave back to your community and you have such a strong spirituality now can we share the story uh, when we went to the Divine Mercy Shrine? Yes. In the church? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that story was... Um, so Please tell. I don't that was know like, the story. That was in May, right? Or that was in May. June? Yeah, uh, that was Memorial in May. Day weekend. Yeah, so uh, Lauren and I and um, Carmelina and some other friends and, and Carmelina's husband, Paul, uh, went to Divine Mercy Shrine. It's a national shrine up in Western Massachusetts. So... Um, after mass, like, everybody was like so obsessed with Saint Faustina because you know divine mercy. So everybody was just like, 
yeah, her relics. In so just like rush to her relics, altar. you know, like kiss her relics and taking pictures of them, of it. And I was like, there's so many people over there. Let me just go visit, like, John Paul II first. <laughs> I just don't want to be in the long line, right? But then when I just John Paul II is no no chump, uh, me no yeah, schlub. No I don't schlub. know why. Like it seems like nobody was like nobody saw him oh. next to Saint Faustina. But anyway. I just knelt in front of him because there is also a relic of St. John Paul II on a newler. So I kissed the relic and then suddenly I heard a voice saying that, don't worry, God will show the way. Mm. So I burst into tears for no reasons because I was like, St. John Paul II, like, he's, he was one of the Pope, but like, I never had any devotions to him, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I just felt like I've, I was never drawn to him. And but you know at that time I feel like oh yeah I know he was speaking to me in a very personal way that um, not everybody can encounter or wow. experience. So from that moment on, I started to have devotions to him. I pray to him, and uh, I try to read more about him. And of course, like, sometimes his stuff is also a little difficult oh, to understand. Dense. <laughs> it's dense. Yeah, I know. Ooh. I love JP too, but <laughs> but you know he's a tough yeah writer. he's a tough one. So yeah. Again, I try, you know, we struggle, but we try. Yeah. So from that on, I, I started to pray more to him. And yeah, just to understand who, what kind of thing he is. That's beautiful. That's and beautiful. I just think it's clear, like, you've been led and you've gone deeper, at, you know, as you've grown, as you've gotten older. And one thing leads to another, right? Like, you could have just stopped and yeah. like, joined the Catholic Church and went to Mass. And that's it. But you pursued Opus Dei or you stayed with it and your spirituality has just gotten so deep to now you're hearing from saints right like most yep. of us do not have that experience <laughs> you will probably hear from a saint <laughs> at some point <laughs> yeah or just even any kind of consolation from yeah. God yeah I think that kind of goes back to your question is is really needed to join a religious community or like a lay community right I guess it really comes down to whether you you see your whether you can become a better Catholic yeah. If you join the community, if you think that that's beneficial to your to your faith life, again, go for it. I right. pray about it and go for it. And it, if know? is that what you desire? You know, do you want to grow in holiness? Yeah. Do you want to do God's work? Do you want to share His love? Exactly. Those are ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, all we really need to get to heaven is you know following Jesus Christ, the sacraments, the gospels, but. You know, God obviously raised up some great saints and gave them this, these charisms, these great gifts of the Holy Spirit that allow them to make a path that perhaps is clearer. That's uh, you know where you where you're doing it with others, which I think is really helpful to be in a community that's mm-hmm. doing it all together that has the same spirituality. So yeah, I think every Catholic should discern and maybe investigate a little bit. You know, where where do you feel spiritually led? I mean, I I spent. I did become an official member of Regnum Christi, and I must say that it's, it has since lapsed. But that was an important time for, for the three, two, three years that I was very active in it. It was very influential in my life, and, and I'm very grateful for that time. Very yeah. form, it's formative, and I think that's the biggest thing is that you get the formation in prayer, the formation in spirituality, formation in, in studies, which a lot of Catholics just don't get from their Sunday Mass or from you know, exactly. a, a little Bible mm-hmm. study that where everyone's sitting around talking about their feelings. You know, uh, <laughs> you gotta, yeah. There so are true. ways to go deeper, <laughs> ways to go in meaningful deeper. ways. Yes, so seek it out, seek it out. And, and this is my, as we sign off, as we're uh, at the end of our time, that is indeed my message to you is seek out if you're really hungry for a deeper spirituality, you know, a, a lay Dominican, lay Carmelite, Opus Dei, Regnum Christi, um, 
whatever verse is merciful, merciful love, love you know there's so many different ways of franciscans and so many different spiritualities that we can pursue and choose um so perhaps consider is is one right for you do you maybe you read a saint and the saint resonates in your heart go and look into whether it's possible to be somehow associated with that order uh, through the saints and through the, uh, the lay movement that's associated with them Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Restless. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM, also 103.5 FM, and wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next time. God bless.